This is Let's Talk Talents podcast, where we talk with inspirational leaders from the world of HR and beyond, all with the intention of making your organisations irresistible and hopefully sharing insights that will help you unlock people's potential. Welcome to episode five, where we will be discussing performance management from an experienced leader's perspective. I'm your host today, Craig Howes, and I'm the client partner here at Let's Talk Talent. I've been really looking forward to today's podcast, and I feel that it'll be a really interesting topic of conversation and taking a deep dive into the world of performance management from a senior leader's perspective, bringing together key learnings, experiences all around this topic. So I'd like to welcome today's guest, and I'm really excited to be joined by Richard Sinclair, COO of Zoom. Thanks, Craig. It's great to be here. So Richard, uh, it's really great to have you joining us today. And I'm sure some of the listeners will be fairly familiar with your background, um, but it would be amazing if you give us a little bit of background as to who you are and uh, your leadership experience. Apologies for that does sound a bit more like a formal interview process. <laughs> well, I hope I get the job, Craig. Thank you. Uh, and thanks again for your time. My first uh, uh, experience uh, really was forged in the military. I had a, had a very uh, great military career and I had a commission in the Scots Guards uh, and I guess that taught me the basics of leadership in some fairly arduous and difficult environments uh, but I had a second career in telecoms where I'm a passionate believer in connectivity and my aim is to make Britain faster. I think it's ironic that Britain is somewhere about the third uh, most prolific user of broadband. Um, it certainly was pre-COVID, if anyone can remember that far back, but yet our infrastructure speeds are about 43rd in the world. And being a strong patriot, uh, I find that something that really needs addressing. And I've been addressing it for a number of years now, most recently, uh, obviously at Zoom, but before that is at Virgin Media, where I was the Executive Director of Connectivity. Uh, and then before that at TalkTalk, where I was the General Manager are responsible for all things ultra fast. Brilliant and absolutely I think broadband is going to be key to everyone's world at the moment and I'm sure many of us listening today or many of our listeners have probably experienced the dropout so can actually uh, vouch and be with you on that journey and, and wish you all the best at bringing that connectivity and pushing our speeds higher. Um, so thanks Richard and, and my role in Let's Talk Talent, I spend a lot of time speaking with clients and their employees. And when speaking with leaders and managers, it's always a big challenge in their world about getting the best out of their people. I'm sure you're experiencing something similar at the moment. And it's coming up in my conversations time and time again, all around this uh, leadership development, management development. And it seems to be a really particular hot topic at the moment. So I'd like to really start from the beginning, the foundation. So what do you see as the role of performance management in an organisation? And what is the role of a senior leader or manager in the process? So for me, it's about unlocking the passion that our team members have. You know, all too often we come to work uh, and we find that the constraints and the limitations make us suboptimal in our performance. And for me, great leaders allow you to share your passion and be freed up as much as possible from the constraints to be able to deliver excellence. Uh, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity to turn conversations 
on performance on their head when people are talking about minimum requirements, the things that they they must do uh, into things that they really want to do and love to do and try and free them up from those budgetary constraints or headcount restraints or whatever problem it is that people are facing on a day-to-day -day basis and, and find a way of them to be able to release their passion because that's certainly how I get great performance for myself uh, and I've seen it in others. That's really, really great to hear. And, and passion, I think, is a, a key driver for many people. But it won't surprise you to know that so, some members and some organisations, um, performance management is probably considered quite a dirty word. Um, and people may even experience it or see it as a way in which moving people out of the business or being managed out of the business rather than attempting to maximise that individual's value or performance to ensure they're actually contributing to that uh, business objective and, un as you say, unleashing that passion. So how does a senior leadership team change this stigma attached to what should be a really beneficial concept to this individual? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. The terminology is difficult. Everyone understands uh, what performance management should mean, but there's a euphemism there often for performance management as the first stage in the exit conversation. So, you know, I think I think we should try and change the nomenclature. And I always joke with people in my team that actually the performance management conversations are bonus conversations where we talk about how you can unlock that passion uh, and genuinely improve people's performance for their benefit. And of course, if bonuses and targets are aligned uh, with, correctly with the performance of the individual for the companies and for the shareholders' benefits. Uh, and I think really changing performance, uh, the word performance management to bonus conversation or success uh, based metrics, uh, it just goes one small step towards defusing that word uh, or those words performance management conversations, which as you quite rightly say are often euphemisms for how do I get rid of this person that's a burden on the team. Absolutely. So with regards to having sort of bonus conversations, which is a much nicer phrase, I know that I would much rather be having bonus conversations than performance management conversations. Would you see that almost on a, a monthly basis or adopted by organisations and teams on a weekly basis, monthly basis, annual basis? What, when, what would sort of the, the cadence of those conversations look like? Yeah, I think businesses are slightly cyclical, either because the products are seasonal or the sales cycle is seasonal, um, or, or indeed events, you know, following as Zoom has uh, significant investment, you know, you've got to try and get that capital work to work and get a return on investment quickly. Other companies are perhaps uh, in, a, in a period where they're trying to restrain CapEx and shift over to OPEX. The timing is, is incredibly important, and therefore the tempo that you're trying to create in a business can be different. Uh, month to month, week to week. But as, as a rule of thumb, I like to be having a quarterly, uh, a formal quarterly assessment against bonuses, uh, against performance, uh, but it, certainly at every one to one. And I think, you know, one to one should happen every second week uh, in the longest, sometimes every day, but every second week uh, where, you know, one of the questions that I would like to ask and I would like to be asked is how are we with objectives? And I think you know that should be the conversation where you might need help to unlock something 
uh, or you may have a problem or a challenge that you're able to foresee in a quick management conversation to say, look, I've got this issue on the horizon. Here's how I think I'm going to deal with it can really unlock performance. Um, so certainly in, in summary, quarterly is a must uh, with a sit down against the figures, but every, every two weeks at a minimum for those more, well, I would call them softer conversations where you might just be putting a light touch on the tiller. Yeah, and I, t I absolutely agree with you that actually those bi-weekly conversations, especially as people are working more virtually, is fundamental to that individual performance and having those touch points where it would have been say a, a water cooler moment with their manager sort of using that that time to have a conversation we almost need to bring that back into that world of what it looks like now and and bringing it in bi-weekly i think it's a great option now from looking at the the structure the cadence of those conversations what are the key principles that should be in a good performance management conversations i think for me you really got you've really got to understand what that person's passion is. I was lucky enough before this podcast to have a one to one with with someone in my team, and the question I was really asking was, how can you put your personality into this piece of work? There's you know there's a, a board paper that's being produced, and how do you turn it from being something that's very black and white, very metric orientated, into something that conveys your personality? And everyone leads a busy life, but particularly senior leaders and board members, they need to be able to get all the information that they need summarized on a single slide or maybe in a couple of slides at the very most. And I think that is the key question. How can you put your personality on the page and convey what, um, what the reader needs to understand? Whilst, you know, I think Video conferencing is, is a tremendous thing uh, and it certainly helped us get through COVID. It doesn't take away from the fact that there are those set piece and formal uh, processes that can you know, really change a performance in a quarter where everyone comes up with a plan to amend sales figures or perhaps to change the customer service or do something slightly different. And they often need to be conveyed in the written word or dare I say on PowerPoint. And it's it's really important to set the stall out to say, how do you convey your personality into those conversations? And how do you convey the ability to deliver that passion uh, for change? Because most of the things we do, let's be honest, we're changing direction uh, because you know, there's been a business reason or a business impediment uh, that we're trying to get over or get around. And that's what it's all about really is is trying to be able to articulate why people should change, why we should uh, ask people to do things differently and what that means on, on both the top line and the bottom line. Absolutely. And, and just building on your point there, Richard, my, my experience in, in managing teams and, and speaking to individuals that from an employee perspective, so that individual who's coming to that performance management conversation, there needs to be clear, concise messaging and honesty in those conversations. I, I mean, there may be a time that the employees actually may feel a bit nervous by the thought of a performance management conversation. It's quite an emotive subject sometimes, especially if there is a culture within the business that, that has that sort of anxiety around those types of conversations. And having the message clearly delivered without the, the fluffy added bit uh, really helps for understanding of what's required. Um, and I think is, is fundamental with, with, with performance management conversations at, at all levels, really. 
Yeah, I think you know one of the things that causes that anxiety that you mentioned, Craig, is the fact that people feel under constraints, and those constraints can take you know can be existential or internal. Uh, they can be things that are happening at home. They can be things that are happening at work. They can be resources that aren't there. It could be budget that isn't there. It could be a perception that something isn't there. Uh, and it's really important to be able to say, you know, what are the constraints which are real, which are not imagined, but which are subconscious, and to try and identify what of those the management team can remove, and what of those are you know hard constraints that have to be worked around. And we all know that you know we can spend in the days when in the days when travel were you know was commonplace, we could all jump on a on a first class train if we could afford it. But actually, there might have been cheaper ways to get there, and and that's really uh, sometimes the crux of people's inability to perform at the very best of their game is because they're trying to operate against the backdrop of constraints and the management sometimes can can free things up uh, either by changing policy or by allocating resources from somewhere else or perhaps removing constraints that are self-imposed deadlines perhaps. Absolutely and and just re going, reflecting back to one of your comments around reporting and putting that pattern on a page and and having that going back up to the to the senior leadership team, I've actually had a recent conversation where uh, I was discussing where a with a company where does the company values and the ethos come into those types of conversations? So the performance management conversations is do they play a role in those conversations and having the value and the ethos and the culture of the business almost input into those conversations? Yeah, I, I really believe in that. You know, I, I came from a career in the military where integrity was the watchword and, you know, you were allowed to make mistakes as long as you put your hand up and said that you, you know, you'd made those mistakes and, you know, they weren't the same mistake three times. Um, but, yeah, I'm really lucky to watch uh, and learn at Zoom where we've got a culture that's around, we call it ROAR, um, where... For me, the most important thing is that openness. Uh, being responsive is, you know, is, is important too, and the agility uh, it is good. But it's the openness to have those difficult conversations, particularly when it comes in uh, performance management conversations, where you have to be able to articulate exactly what it is that a good outcome would look like, uh, and you also be able have to be honest and say. Here are, the, here are the constraints that you have to operate within. And if everyone is able to have those open conversations without fear of repercussion, then I think it makes everything so much easier. I have worked in places where the culture has been very misogynist, uh, where it's been difficult to, uh, to get diversity uh, and to get all of the rich content that comes from having a diverse team uh, and it was very difficult. It was very difficult indeed. But now I'm at now I'm at Zoom. I, I really find that you know that open culture is making a step change in people's performance. And just just to build on that point again, the the nuances around company culture, ethos, vision, values. How would the senior leadership team measure someone's performance against those types of 
behaviors because sometimes it can be quite subjective around how well someone is or isn't achieving against those elements how how is a senior leadership team would they measure those um, those nuances yeah you're absolutely right it is hard uh, and there are many better people qualifying on how you measure some of those softer uh, softer metrics yeah, you know, what I try and do in the conversations I'm having my team is, okay, once you understand what it is that you that you you have to do or what it is we have to do, how have you done that thing? Uh, and spending as much time talking about how you've done it as the end state normally gives you a good indication of whether or not you've done it in a way that is aligned with the values. Uh, and, and I think that conversation, it works for me and it might work for others, but it's worked for me in a variety of situations where when you ask people, you know, how have you done that? You often get a feel from them whether or not they're happy with the way in which they've done it. And if they are, it tends to mean that they have been aligned with their values. And if it's aligned with their values, you can be pretty sure it's aligned with the values of the company. Absolutely. Sorry, that was that was probably a little bit of a curveball coming at you there with uh, regards to measuring something so difficult. But I think you're you're, you're quite right, and you you hit the nail on the head because it probably stems from how you recruit people in the first place and how they come into the organization and whether they align to the values of an organization. And that's probably a key thing that people should consider as early on um, as the recruitment stage or even setting up their strategy and people strategy. Yeah, I really enjoy listening to some of the, you know, the podcasts and the Lotus Performance podcasts, uh, particularly over, over lockdown. And some of the things, you know, that I've been learning there really is, this ability to draw, you know, you, you choose your own family uh, and, and the family that comes and sits around the table at, at Christmas might be the, you know, the closest part of your family. And, and I find that at work, you know, we, we draw our close associates uh, in the business in the same way that we, we take a view on family. And I try and make it very clear to new joiners when I'm, when I'm doing the induction that they are part of the family. And in families, you can have arguments, you can have discussions, but you do that with integrity and knowing that, you know, the end of those discussions, you're still part of the same team. And that is a way in which I try and explain uh, what I mean by openness. And, and therefore, when you're having those discussions about whether someone has done it uh, well, the how they've done it, you know, can they still be part of the family and be proud to be part of the family when they've achieved this great thing? And if the answer to that is yes, then absolutely they've done it in an open uh, and inclusive way. I really like the the concept of family and uh, I can imagine you've probably had a conversation with Jo because she explains it uh, exactly the same way in, in Let's Talk Talent around our core family and, and having that integrity piece together, which I think is really valuable and it makes you feel some part of something bigger. Um, now, I, I would like to move the conversation more onto more topical basis and things that are happening at this moment in time. And I know now that some people may be sick of hearing about it, but I think we need to address the elephant in the room, the pandemic. The pandemic has put a lot of pressure on everybody, employees, managers, leaders, throwing new challenges that people would never even comprehend coming into their lives and world. So 
from my experience of performance management conversations, as I mentioned before, they potentially can be quite emotive, depending on how they're phrased. Throw in those extra complications of home working, homeschooling, mental health and well-being. I'd love to get a feel of your perspective on how to address these conversations. Surely you can't hold someone to account for something or not achieving their goals and objectives for a situation that is completely outside of their control. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so much in there, isn't there? I mean, uh, lockdown has been a massive challenge for so many businesses up and down the country, and it's certainly impacted every single family in the land. Uh, and you know, whatever plans we had before lockdown, they've all been thrown up in the air. But I would say that certainly, you know, my personal experience has been that we've modified our objectives, uh, modified our goals in the periods uh, to try and accommodate what we know at any given time. And that means we've had to be a bit more dynamic than we would have been with our goal setting to adopt and adapt to changes in the environment. Again, you know, I was talking only last night to a friend in the hospitality industry, and you know, he's doing something quite different during this period uh, because you know he simply hasn't been able to find work uh, for you know about a year now because of all the the uh, necessary preventative measures with lockdown. So it's being doubly, trebly, quadruply versatile and being able to deliver those. Um, you know, those changes. That said, uh, once we've agreed, mutually agreed what those objectives are, I think the trickiest conversation that I've had with my team during lockdown has actually been holding people back from working too hard and burnout. You know, it's not uncommon for all of my team to be online at half past seven, quarter to eight in the morning and still be on there at seven o'clock, half past seven at a night time. And when you're starting to get emails and text messages over the weekend period, it's perhaps a warning sign that you know we may we might just be overdoing it. So I would, uh, and it's one of these things that's easy to say and very difficult to do. But I would encourage everyone uh, that's listening, and indeed my team, to make sure they try and get a balance where they program in time for themselves, time for their families, and most importantly, as you've already suggested time for their well-being. We've all got different hobbies. Uh, you know, I've been renovating a, a rowing boat that I that I found abandoned uh, during lockdown. And, you know, it's, it's pretty mind-numbing and cold work, but it gives you a period of reflection. It gives you a period of wellness, which certainly helps my mental health and stability. So I'm not suggesting everyone has to go out and renovate a boat. Um, far from it. But there will be things that are particular and peculiar to, to your lives that you can enjoy make some time in the diary uh, and go out and do that and just put that laptop off for a moment if you if you possibly can now different story when you've got uh, children in exam years and i've got that uh, i've got that benefit too and they obviously you know they've got it tougher than the vast majority of people aside from those who have lost uh, or are suffering from from COVID at the moment. You know they they've got lots and lots of worries and lots and lots of pressure. But, but you know my daughter, uh, she needs to take a break just as much as I do. And trying to engineer that into her schedule as well as exercise as well as proper nutrition 
uh, really makes us have to think twice as hard at time management than we've ever had to do before. Absolutely, and I could not agree more that uh, that I totally am seeing exactly the same thing. Emails come in at weekends, evenings, um, it's five o'clock in the morning. It, it is like nothing else because people aren't commuting anymore. They're, they're seeing that time as, as working time to be at their desks. Now, you quite rightly address a lot of points in there. If you had to summarise it down to, to three main points for individuals to take time out, how would they do that? Is it scheduling times in their diaries? Is it have it as a senior leader, but getting them to, to almost dilate down through the business that actually outside their operating hours, they need to do X, Y, and Z? What would it be? I think it's such a personal thing. It's really difficult. Uh, and it's a, I think it's a little rude or imposing to be able to say, you know, here are the things you guys need to do in your, in your personal life. Um, what I do do and what I can do is share my own uh, experience and thoughts. One of it is, is to take some time out in the diary to do that time management and make sure that you understand what's coming up and what your objectives are. I think that's really, really important and never has been more important. The second part is to enjoy whatever your passion is in, in moderation. You know, if it's a glass of white wine on an evening, then, you know, enjoy that glass of white wine, but just be careful it doesn't turn into the whole bottle. Um, and, and the third thing is, is try and get some exercise. I know it's very difficult for some people to be able to get out and about, particularly those that suffer uh, for, for ailment, ailments that, you know, uh, are, are more difficult to cope with with COVID. Um, but, you know, do try and get some exercise, whether it's a walk around the block, whether it's, you know, a run, a game of basketball, whatever it is that's your thing, you know, really, really make time for that because, you know, time doing exercises, I know you know, Craig, uh, really helps your well-being, but it also helps with creativity. And the best ideas often come at the time that you're least expecting it because you're busy doing something else and your subconscious is working its magic. Absolutely. I think, I mean, one thing that's kept me particularly going is is getting out of the house and whether that be going out for a run um, I know it's quite difficult, especially anyone in the UK at the moment with uh, the changes in weather. It's looking a lot milder, which is great. Um, but just getting out and getting into that fresh air, I know that I've seen it on LinkedIn. And I, I do would say to anyone, uh, just encourage other people to get out and around. I mean, just from looking at my LinkedIn feed today, I've got the sales director from WageStream saying that he, he gets out and he, every day at lunchtime religiously to try and get him out doing that and um one of my i think the md from co-credo actually sharing um struggles that he's had and actually the um the benefits of his routine and taking time away from his work um is really really beneficial uh, and and again I, i'd echo your 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 thoughts there now i think a, a really nice conversation that i had with someone actually this morning um, around what people can do differently in regards to those, those objective settings, um, uh, particularly around performance management conversations, is they almost scrapped the objective scheme um, that they almost overnight when the pandemic kicked off. And they've actually adopted a different approach at the moment. And they've suggested their managers focus on three priorities for a month's goal. And those three priorities need to be something that's within someone's control and have elements of personal development within there. 
and also an element of mental health and well-being incorporated, which I think was actually, when I heard it this morning, a really nice way to put it, because it keeps people on track, keeps individuals developing, and also focus on that key issue of, of mental health and well-being at this moment in time. Now, it's without question, I know we've discussed it over and over again, that this, this year, last year, has been a really difficult time for all of us and especially been difficult for those who have stepped up into their first managerial role or starting with a new team, with a new company. And, and I just want to summarise at the end of, uh, end of our discussion today, what advice or guidance would you give aspiring leaders as a, with a leader with uh, all of your experience when they're having these performance management conversations? Is there any particular types of skills or attributes that they should develop to make sure that they are having the best possible conversations that they can have? Yeah, I think it's almost counterintuitive uh, because most of the people that are in new management situations have by definition got the drive and energy and dedication to their role. And they want to, you know, they really want to drive on with their careers. And I think, you know, one of the things that perhaps a few gray hairs brings you is a perspective on patience and making sure that you are in fact patient when it comes to achieving your objectives, either because of those constraints that I'm kicking in, it means that you haven't got the resources to do it this month and you have to sequence it so that you do a bit this month and a bit next month or whatever it may be. Uh, but equally, you, you often have to be patient because other people in the team are going through uh, challenging times, particularly at this challenging time, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in other people's lives. So you do have to be able to uh, have the dialogue, articulate what it is that is required in terms of outcomes and objectives. You need that conversation about how you deliver it, the, those outcomes. But the third one is perhaps having the conversation about when that needs to be done and how you can sequence it in with the other things in your life. And as you say, with new and aspiring managers, everyone is so eager to please and that's fantastic. We all love that energy that comes with someone who's at the top of their game. But occasionally you can do uh, the team a little favor by just reminding them that Rome wasn't built in a day uh, and that you can achieve it, you can achieve greatness provided you sequence it and schedule it in. Maybe it goes back to the time management conversation I've just been having with you, uh, but either way, I call it patience. Absolutely, yeah. and I think that really ties in nicely with, with the time management and scheduling and and almost ensuring people that even though they're not in a physical office, they don't have to be running 10 times faster because they're not being seen every day. I think that's a really, really strong key message. I'd love to take the time to, the, uh, time to thank you for joining us today, Richard, and thank you for everyone listening on joining us on the latest Let's Talk Talent podcast. It's been really great to hear your thoughts and opinions, Richard, and I know I'm definitely going to take away uh, the bonus conversations because that makes me feel a lot more excited to have those conversations. Great. Well, thanks, Craig. It's been a pleasure to chat with you today and hopefully we both learned something. Absolutely. And uh, to everyone listening, if you enjoyed this podcast, please do rate us and subscribe uh, to be the first notified about our next podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.